Zim to the end. He almost made it. Right on the doorstep of the playoffs. Plus, Mark Spears of Anscape, ESPN, NBA Today. National Guy joins the pod to talk about the playoffs and how the Jazz situate themselves to it. Best playoff matchup. Discussing that with him here on Round Ball Roundup. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, equal housing lender. So I haven't been on this feed, but I was on the note, which you can check out clearly if you found this one. You can find the note. Just search the note in your favorite podcast platform. But Carlos Boozer, Carlos Boozer night on the final day of the regular season as the Jazz take on the Suns. Going to be honoring him as a player with time passing further and further. Somebody you can appreciate for what he did for this franchise. And I certainly see the contributions in that two-year stretch when he was absolutely at the top of his game. He comes in 2007 and in Game 7 against the Rockets delivers an all-time jazz performance. One of those performances in the playoffs that can stack up to anybody. He goes for 35. He has 18 in the second half, 10 in the fourth quarter. There's a fourth quarter stretch when the Jazz had lost the lead. They came into it with the advantage. They lose it, and Carlos brings them back. There's an AK bucket mixed in between, and he leads them on like a 10-2 to run. And he helps close it out. Because that was a back-and-forth series. You're going against Yao and Tracy McGrady, Jeff Van Gundy on the sidelines. He was spectacular that series. And that Game 7 cements him as a memorable player in Jazz history. And then the rest of the run. They go to the Western Conference Finals. It's the last time that the Jazz have done that. He was instrumental in it. And I spoke to Ty Corbin, former Jazz coach, an assistant on those teams, about Carlos to remember his career and talk about that run. You'll hear from Booze on this feed next week. I'll catch up with him tonight at the game. He'll lead into our playoff coverage of this team, because this time next week, we're getting ready for the last playing games. Playoffs start next Saturday. And finally, it's the season and the portion that this Jazz team will be judged on. And mind you, this isn't Jazz InfoWars. I think I've been fairly realistic with Jazz playoff chances. Uh, if this is a good run, this group gets validation because finally they're healthy towards the end of a season and entering a postseason where everybody's available. Because when they're available, they're pretty good. They have the number one offense in the league, as many people have said. But there's also been discussion about the noise, about everything that's happening around the team. And not going to fact-check your way out of it by selecting numbers about the fourth quarter, this and that. That's not how you're going to get out of this. And much like many of these narratives about the Jazz, talks about them on the podcast, and it's Rudy and Donovan and fourth-quarter blow-ups. And if you look at those, both seem to be related. Because the fourth quarters have been difficult. They have given up leads. They had an entire playoff series where in Staples, they saw 25 points go down the drain. But it comes from Twitter and those tweets. And if you haven't learned by now, you should learn it. Can't really argue with the Twitter jokes. 
There are things that happen over the course of the year where Twitter's going to get off their jokes. And that's the deal. I actually found Rudy pretty insightful on NBA Today as he continues to be the truth teller and heartbeat of this organization. Sometimes he's truth telling to a fault. But when you hear him, he'll tell you exactly how he feels and he takes responsibility when this team gives up leads that he has the perspective where something's on Twitter, they stay on Twitter. Well, because, you know, whenever I'm doing an interview and just the research portion of the interview, one thing I always do is tweet search the person's name, always. And it just feels like any dislike, it's like so magnified for you. Would you agree with that? So obviously, like it's, it's, never, it's never great when yeah. you see that, but, but uh, I'm able to uh, once again see the bigger picture. And, and the reality is that these people don't know me. Right. Like they don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. They've seen a video of me, uh, maybe touching mics, or a video of me, uh, I don't know, blocking their favorite player, or I don't know, whatever it is. Like it's, these people don't know me, they don't know my character, they don't know all the things I do for the world. Like they don't, they don't really know who I am. So it's, it's like, can I really be mad for them not knowing me? Like, no. You know, it's part of it. It's part of it. And I think, once again, when we talk about, uh, you know, the big social media platforms that can highlight, you know, it can really impact the narratives out there. Like, it's part of it. It's part yeah. of it. And, but I, I don't let it affect me anymore because I know these people don't, don't know me. That's from Taylor Rooks' podcast when he joined her. And it remains a really good encapsulation of the Rudy ethos. The dude has thick skin. And it's been calloused and hardened by his experience that he's gone through. A snapshot of his story. He had people blaming him for a pandemic. And he has playoff exits assigned solely to him because of a clip against Steph Curry where he's spun like a top. He goes through that and he stills the outlook where later on in that interview with Taylor, he's talking about how stubborn he is in trying to keep fighting and keep trying to show his name and show what he can do in the playoffs. He comes back from the dead. It can't get much worse than having a COVID blamed on you. But he's Jon Snow. He's stubborn. And that's exactly what you need here. He will try and try and try to get playoff wins for this organization. So when he does a defensive work, he covers for mistakes, and clips come out Saturday of him sealing Jordan Poole underneath the basket, it creates a moment. Naturally, it does. And then the jokes come in. There's more examination on how many passes Donovan is going to Rudy. It's not the raw numbers that you, that you need to pay attention to. It's that fourth quarter blowups that happen. Like this team, this team is losing in the fourth quarter. If there are 30 losses and nearly half of them are ones where you hold the lead, there's a general theme there. But the encouraging part is that you saw against the Grizzlies that their late-game offense doesn't become too Donovan-dependent. Because the raw numbers, it's fine if you're the number one offense in the league. Whatever. doesn't matter. That's taking a stat and not putting into context, where you also have Mike Conley who's feeding Rudy Gobert. For the fourth quarter thing, where it devolves into isolation basketball, you have zero pass possessions. Yeah, that's valid. That makes sense. 
And sometimes Donovan gets into that. His clutch numbers aren't the best. But who has great clutch numbers this year or any year? We remember all the makes of clutch players. We don't remember the misses. And so if their clutch offense continues to be bad, that's when you can call into question those fourth quarter losses. But Memphis showed resolve. When Donovan doesn't have it going, that's when you can use Mike or Boyan or even Jordan Clarkson. Conley had a good play on Tuesday where he finds Rudy Gobert on the lob and it's a down-the-stretch possession, and it's with Donovan not having it going, didn't have a great shooting night. But that's how the offense needs to go, right? It, it can't devolve from that number one offense. Because the clutch numbers say bottom half of the league. And it's going to be tremendously important that Rudy Gobert punishes mismatches. He did it against Bain, where he gets fouled. When you give him the ball down there, it is a good opportunity because he's so much bigger than the guys that are switched out on him. And getting those touches validate the experience. Validate him covering for so many. It isn't that they're icing him out. It's that things have gotten so chaotic that they aren't playing the same way that they have the rest of the game. But if they play fourth quarters, like the offense is designed to do, and they can have success. Then when you look at the numbers, the Jazz should be in that second tier With what Dallas, Memphis, Golden State, Denver, those teams should be. Because their point differential is still pretty good. Cleaning the glass has it third best in the league. But it has to stay with the proof of concept that this team has. Everybody healthy, playing, laying their offense lead. And as loud as it gets, it can get pretty quiet if you prove people wrong. For authentic Utah Jazz player gear, including jersey, shorts, warm-ups, and more, visit fanatics.com slash jazzgameused. That's fanatics.com slash jazzgameused. Five stars. Nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. It looks like the Jazz are going to be playing the Mavericks when it comes to the first round. And if you listen to me, I welcome that. With how great the Luka is, I don't believe the supporting cast able to lift them easily past Utah. It's a competitive series, but in that respect, it might be the best of the options. There are no good options when it comes to the Western Conference. And as far as those competitive games that these two played in the middle portions of the seasons, the one at the beginning, one at the end, don't really count because guys were missing. But those two middle games, it's a long series, and that's one that won't be on NBA TV. Thank goodness. But I pose that question. What's the best matchup for the Jazz? I asked Mark Spears. Anscape, NBA Today, ESPN. We get there, but I started with talking about the scholarships because he featured them in his story on the website. So I wanted to see how to come together. Why did he do it? Please enjoy Mark Spears on Ramball Roundup. How'd that story come back for you? How did it get on the scene for someone who covers the league at a national level? Um... I think my stories are kind of probably more unique um, and different because I, I primarily talk about things off the court, not so much the X's and O's on the court, you know, life and, you know, culture and adversity and fighting through pain um, and, and celebration, you know. Uh, and so I just remember like hearing that the Jazz were doing that 
And, you know, respectfully in the beginning, you're like, Jazz are doing that? They're doing that in Utah? You know what I mean? And and I love Utah. Um, uh, and I know there's some definitely some diversity there that people that haven't spent much time there are not aware of that, you know, there, there are some people of color there, um, but certainly it could be more diverse. Right. And um, to see that the franchise was doing such an amazing scholarship to try to help families who had first generation college students to help families that were disadvantaged to help kids of color. Like I thought that was just an amazing story. And so I've always been that writer that was a, a, attracted to, you know, got to know what the community relations director of the team was doing with the players, you know, when they were going on visits, places and stuff like that. And I initially, when I first started covering the Nuggets, used to go to those events just as like a ploy to try to get to know the players a little bit better. Um, but then I was like, oh, there's good stories when you go to these things because the players are passionate about whatever that community thing is. But this is a thing that's I, I found out in my research that the, like all the players were excited about. Everybody was behind. And the fact that you could, they're helping somebody go to college and paying for the whole thing. Like, especially with a kid who was first generation, like that changes the whole family. It, 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 it changes generations um, that inspires the next generation. And so I, I just thought it was a beautiful thing. And, and I think lost in this that maybe a lot of people don't really think about or understand is it's a two-way street in terms of who gets something from this. Like, so you're, you're getting primarily, you know, kids of color that are receiving these opportunities, but they're going to these predominantly white institutions. And so when they go to these schools, if I'm sending my kid to college, I want him to have the most well-rounded, you know, uh, like four years, five years that they could have learn something that they didn't know, not, not only in the classroom, but outside the classroom. So if you're in a state that's predominantly white and you, you don't get to be around a lot of kids of color, but this program is adding that, then that adds something to your child as well. It adds something to the school as well. Because now you're, you're getting to see the world within other people's eyes and not just the ones you're familiar with. So I think it's a, it's a gift that gives in a lot of ways. And so that's why I was, you know, attracted to doing a story and why, um, you know, ESPN is going to, we're going to do a video project with it as well. A little scoop for you there. I love that we get a scoop here on utahjazz.com, round ball yeah. roundup. Obviously the video is, is awesome that you see the, the phone calls that the guys are giving out, but that player issue is so huge that they are passionate about it yeah. and and how they were asking Ryan and Ashley after a preseason win hey yeah. does this count towards the scholarship program <laughs> the fact that they're that invested in it has to add to the lore of this entire thing yeah no because um you know you guys got some players that are like good people man yeah 
Donovan, the Rudys, Mike Conley, um, spent some time with Mike at the uh, National Civil Rights Museum. Uh, it's amazing, amazing person. Jordan, like just, just, just good people. But the owners are good people too, because, um, you know, for them to want to do this is not normal, you know, and then they they have a new school mentality, which is refreshing um, in a league where most of the owners are like, you know, um, older white guys, right? Um, they, they're bringing a fresh uh, point of view to the league. Um, but yeah, when you see like the players, they're basically getting involved with this on an off day to call these kids or be around these kids. And um, when you see the emotion and, and see how it affects the family, like I, I heard like in, they had one where Donovan told somebody and then they fa he, the kid FaceTime his mom and put Donovan on the phone with him. You know, <laughs> I like, how, how do you? That's changing I, someone's life. Yeah, man, that, that's cool, man. That, that, that's heartwarming, that's cool. And, so I don't, I don't mind them being the ones to say, hey, can I make that phone call? Can I be involved in this? Because uh, that's something those people remember the rest of their lives because that's a, that's a life-changing moment. Are you surprised by how quickly Ryan and Ashley Smith have, have dove into this project and, and to other projects being loud for the community and trying to make it more inclusive to everybody? Uh, I think it just speaks to the kind of people they are. You know, like... Um, I wouldn't say they were poor because they weren't poor, but they had to work for what they got. Right. Um, and so I, I think they, uh, they weren't given anything. Um, and so I think because of their age, they, they probably also have been able to get a, um, see a world differently. Right. Um, within their travels and the like, they 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 got a black psychologist with the team that people probably don't know much about. They have Dwayne Wade got ownership. Like how many teams has a player that that is a part of ownership? You know what I mean? Like that's cool. Um, and so I just think I've spent time with them twice, and they're just good people, man. Good people, good heart, and um, you know they 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 care about everybody not just themselves or their race they care about the world everybody every human being and that's um refreshing to see in today's times now let me tell you about first colony mortgage they've been serving the lending needs of utah for more than 35 years as a mortgage banker first colony mortgage offers advantages over other lenders not only do they process mortgages they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. On the court, what have you made of this team during the regular season as they head into the playoffs? Can't figure them out. <laughs> it, it's such a wait for the playoffs team don't you think yeah that's a scary proposition right though it like, is um 
I would say typically the way a team plays at the end of the regular season is how they play in the postseason. But the playoffs are all about matchups too. So the weird thing about the Western Conference is it's it's just such a juggle right now. The same in the East, like so many moving parts that we may not you may not know who they're playing until that Sunday night, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so they're capable. This team is capable of losing in the first round and winning the NBA championship. And that's a that's a really like broad spectrum, right? Um, really odd thing to say, but like whatever. I just I just can't I don't know what to make of them, man. I I, I don't know how to predict them. They're the box of chocolate team. Like you don't know what you're gonna get, man. Like, but they have the talent in every way. Um, Obviously, injuries has affected them as they've done a lot of teams, but you got one of the best scorers in the league. You got one of the best point guards in the league who is at least coming into the playoffs healthy, right? Mike is healthy. That's a great thing because he wasn't healthy before. And and you got perhaps the best defensive center in basketball, right? But you do. Um, So add in Jordan Clarkson, like, they have the ingredients and, you know, Bogdanovic, another big, like they have everything. They have total package, but it's just these like late game collapses or second half collapses are kind of odd. Like the fact that you're not able to, like great teams don't lose like that. And so to me, there's been a couple of, uh, little warning flares that have shot out lately that like what's going on like what's the deal like is it a coaching thing is it a is there a player chemistry issue is like how how does a team with this many veterans lose games like that that's not so to answer i don't know what they're gonna be man they can be special or they could be a head scratcher <laughs> It's completely where the fan base is right now, yeah. I, I'm sure, because uh, the way that they've ended this regular season, having leads against Golden State and then seeing Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson go crazy last Saturday and winning that game. They've had these big leads, but they lost them. Is there, in your mind, a better matchup? Because it seems, at least, uh, yeah. that they'll be locked in at the fifth spot and it might be either Dallas or Golden State in that three or four. But is there a better matchup for Utah, best-case scenario, that they could get heading into the playoffs? The one thing that helps them in, in um, both of those situations is you have the dominant big. You know, James Wiseman's not walking through that door. Um, but Dallas has been playing really, really well have finished very strong. So they would seem like a scary team to play, but I still think I could see Utah win in that series. Golden State is a is a weird one, is a hard one to figure because, no, they don't have the size, right? But they have Steph Curry. <laughs> you know, they have the veterans. Um, the biggest question of me on them is how healthy will they be? You know, Draymond's just starting to come around. Clay is starting to pick up. 
Steph's not back yet. Um, he's expected to be, but what will he be? He's been off for a month. So there's a lot of question marks there. I I would think that you'd rather pick your poison with Mavericks, right? Hopefully, like, you know, let Luca do Luca, but shut everybody else down. I, I, I think I would probably take that, you know, but I mean, Luca's been scary in the postseason, but then that's where you kind of see how the lack of everything else ends up, you know, ending the season for Dallas. Cause now, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's been great for him. Um, but by and large, like that roster is a more uh, Luca and friends roster, right? Where I think Utah's roster is more balanced and they have more weapons. The Golden State's roster is more balanced and has more weapons, more people you have to worry about. Um, so if I'm, a jazz fan. I mean, neither of these are fun. There's no fun scenario in the Western Conference. Exactly. Because think about it. Like you could be number one, and you could get the Clippers or Minnesota. You could be number two, and you could get the Clippers or Minnesota. Then you're getting the Clippers with Paul George and Norman Powell. I don't think Kawhi is coming back, but this ain't that that team that same record team you know what I mean this is a whoever gets the Clippers man that ain't the same squad but with Minnesota you're getting a team that uh you know Cats got like one playoff appearance I don't I don't know any other young guys have I don't think so so I think it would be kind of new to them but do you really want to play them so and then like will John Morant be healthy come playoff time too so I think that there's not going to be there's not going to be any sweeps. There's going to be a lot of six, seven game series from the first round to the end. It's going to be a big time battle royal. Uh, so there's there's no easy way to the chip this year in either conference. Every Western Conference team has some sort of apex predator. You've got yeah. somebody that you can win you at least one game in each series. The team that right now has the number one seed that it's crazy to say that a number one seed isn't being talked about as much, but this is the only team in the league with a 60 win yeah. season, yeah. the Phoenix Suns. The West runs through them. Whatever happens with the Jazz in the first round, yeah. it's going to have to figure that Phoenix is going to be an end game at some point. Yeah. What have you made of them? And is this their year that they finally break through and get it done for Chris Paul and, and that franchise? Um, they're, they're the best team in the West. They should win the West. Um, they um, also have a chip on their shoulder because nobody talks about them. But they're not seeking anything either um, in terms of uh, love and ad adulation, right? So I think they... They, and they've had the least drama. You know, yeah, they've had some injury issues, but they're fine now. And Chris is getting some rest. Book is getting some rest. Think about it. Like, the playoffs really don't start until next week, the end of next week, right? Because of the playing game. So, um, I, I I like Phoenix to win the West. Um, that's, that's not to say that they can't be beaten. Um, 
but I my if I was a better man, I would say a re, it's going to be a rematch of the finals because I just think those two teams have been just the steadiest, the best, the least drama, the least injuries, and they they know each other too, very well, right? So I mean, I I think that's probably well. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm going back and forth from Milwaukee to Phoenix again. And the league is, it's so great when it gets these rematches. It's so great when in the finals we see Golden State Cleveland again. Yeah, but uh, Utah Jazz fans don't want to hear that. Well, that too. <laughs> that, wasn't a, <laughs> that wasn't a great rematch. Unless it's a Chicago-Utah series, right? Like, they don't want to see that again. Like, they, they, like the one thing I know about Jazz fans, man, I remember, I want to say it was about 10 years ago when Darren Williams and Sloan, God rest his soul, um, were, were there and they lost the playoff series that ended at home. And I remember like doing interviews, talking to players, talking to coaches, and like an hour, almost an hour and a half had passed. And I went back into the on the floor and they still had fans sitting in their seats and sad. And I'm like, whoa, they love their jazz, man. Like they 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 are really invested. And if this man is it's 90 minutes after the game and he's just sitting in his seat like he lost a family member then that 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 shows you the kind of love that they have there so yeah no i mean i think there's not jazz fans it's weird because they're like there's always a competitive team they're always in the playoffs but they can never get over the hump it's like denver every year same maybe it's something about the mountain area i don't know but uh I'm I'm sure jazz fans they're they're ready to put a banner up soon, man. And they got the ownership that I think they're gonna try to be creative and trying to make that happen too. I'll let you out on this because I was surprised that you were still willing to come on if I asked you an Arsenal question. Uh, are they going to make the top six? Are they still going to stay there top even six. after after the decision to Crystal Palace last last Monday? Man. Every time there's these, I, I hate when um, they have these international breaks, man. Like we were playing really, really well into this international break and then boom, and then we got a key injury and uh, we'll be there. Okay. You got to remember, we have, we're behind a couple matches to the other people if you look at the table. But United's coming. But they played more matches. They have. So we're actually coming because we play less matches. Look at the table. I will. I will. Are you coming for Liverpool? No. Well, no. Let's just get to the Champions League first. We got the rest later. <laughs> One step at a time, man. Europa <laughs> champion. Let's just get back to that. I'll You'll work. even take Europa. We don't have nothing now, so I'll take what you can get. I hope. I hope it's the Champions League, but to Europa, at least it's something. Senior writer for Anscape ESPN, Mark Spears on Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you, brother. All right.